One of the best feelings in life is feeling anchored. When the waves of life come, you stay confident, stable, and secure. So how do we stay connected in a world full of distractions? We think honest conversations can help. I'm Allie. And I'm Lemmy's. Two friends who just want to chat about how to be our best selves. Thanks for joining us. This is Anchored in Life. Well, I asked for more time so I could flush out my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And really, that was so I could tailor my thoughts. And of course, because I did not have time. So we're going to do that right here, right now. Yeah, you know, that's what post-editing is for. <laughs> I sent you, or was a text message? And it was a video of Kylie Jenner. Which was surprising. Even more surprising, my husband sent <gasps> that to me. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was questioning why is Kylie Jenner in a post on LinkedIn that's being shared to me by my husband? Yeah. That's confusing. <laughs> I, was, I was very confused. Yeah. But I did click on it and I'm I'm glad that I did because she was talking about the importance of recognizing your inner child. And I'd never thought about that before. I brought it up to my therapist yesterday and she said it is such a great tool and method to bring out some things in people that they wouldn't otherwise notice about why they act the way they do in the present time. Was it Kendall? It was Kendall. It wasn't Kylie. Okay, whatever. I mean, they're the same person to me. (laughs) Okay, so this is the model Kendall was saying this. Okay. What she was saying, though, was that she has a picture of herself, I think six or seven years old, that is on her mirror. And she looks at her every morning. Didn't she say that she tries to do things that would make that little girl proud? What a concept. Do you do that? Have you done that since watching that video? I have since watching that video. I actually had heard of inner child therapy before you had sent me that. Something pretty personal that I don't mind sharing because the situation has been redeemed and it's all good now. But my dad was an alcoholic when I was a child. He passed away when I was 19. So I went to grief counseling. It's almost like that had to be a part of my therapy because he was a different person when I was a child versus when I was older because he eventually did get sober, which is the great redeeming part of everything. In order to deal with the emotions that I had in the present, I had to go back to what happened when you were younger. How do you feel like? I always say people call me an old soul and I think it's because I did have to grow up faster than a typical nine to 15 year old. So it wasn't a foreign concept to me to think about that little girl and what she would expect. But I tend not to go there because the most painful thing is that I think that little girl would be disappointed in me. Mm. Everything's so simple when you're seven and you think of yourself at 25 and you think that you're going to have the house and the kids and the husband and the job and the money because you have no context for how hard all of those things are to get. I don't think I am the 29-year-old now that my younger self thought I would be based on my ambition level, my intelligence or whatever I was basing it off of. I think life has been a series of disappointments for me because I'm hard on myself. It's not like my life has been 
actually disappointing. It's just the way that I'm seeing it. But that's what I think of when I think of her initially. I kind of see her looking at me, shaking her head like, Mm. what are you doing? You're supposed to be on a network by now as an anchor. That's right. Because you always wanted to be. Since I was 10. That's right. Yes. I would do news shows by myself in the basement as the main anchor, as the weather person, as all the things. I was the one man show. (laughs) You think 25 is so old when you're that young. And now I'm 29 and I can't imagine having all the things that I thought I was going to have at 25. It seems like that's basically impossible. But thanks to social media, I do see 25-year-olds with the things that I thought I would have at 25. So that's where the disappointment comes in. Well, she did it. Yeah, but you know what social media is. It's just what people want you to see. You can't think about your inner child and not get deep and not have to tap into some deep emotions because you are that little girl every day mm-hmm. or little boy. You know, we're we're all onions. We're just like layers upon layers of our older selves. I think about myself when I was younger, 20, 21, 22. That was a different person in my opinion. But I do I did learn from her and it's easy for me to go back to my 20s and say, "Oh yeah, mhm. This is what I learned, you know, this is these are mistakes I made." But to go back to 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, that's really difficult mm. because that little girl had no context for anything and she was so naive. And you just want to hold her and say, I know it seems like everything's falling apart, but everything is going to be okay. But there was no reason for me in that moment and in that time in my life to think that. Everything was a big deal. My bike broke. Huge deal. Worst thing that ever happened (laughs) in my entire life, you know? What do you think about it? I really try to think about what I was going to say because, wow, my mother and my grandmother were not for those two women. I just, I would not be the person that I am today. Their courage, their unconditional love, their support, their 100% commitment. I just, I would not be me if it weren't for those two. And in thinking about that little girl, and I go back to around the time when I was seven, um, and there was just a lot going on at that age. I had problems with my ears. There was constant sinus infections. As a child, I was always sick. And it's funny because the running joke in my family now is Lenise never gets sick. (laughs) Mom is never sick. And I tell them it's because when I was a child, I was sick all the time. I mean, I had the chicken pox twice. I had surgeries left and right. And that was one of the times when I was going into a surgery to have my tubes fixed in my ears. And there was just so much going on. And I look at pictures of myself and I'm not smiling in most of them, but there is joy in my eyes. And I would go back and tell her to hold on to that joy It's scary to go through these procedures, but you have these two amazing women who are not always going to be with you, so cherish every moment. And I think as a child, as you talked about, we don't have a concept of time. We don't realize our situations aren't permanent. I think that my younger self would be proud of me because as that seven 
eight-year-old little girl, I was very scared. I was scared. I was sad. I knew that I had love, though. I knew that I was loved in my household. My mother did a great job of making sure that my environment was creative, supportive, loving, and fun. I also knew the importance of hard work, and not because she went around saying it, but because she set the expectation and the tone by being the example. I had a a great role model in her, but there were other things that were missing. And so if I were to have her picture up, and I will tell you, Allie, I won't put that picture up because who I was then is not who I am now. Who I was then allowed me to be who I am now. But if I were to go back, it would be hard to sit in that space. It does inspire me to push harder to show her, look, you've got this. You've got this. You have everything you need. And what you don't have, it will come. She would be my motivation to continue. And I'm so fortunate to be able to use those lessons with my daughter and helping her to see and understand all the intricacies that come with being a young woman. And as you mentioned, oh gosh, now we have social media. I mean, it's even harder. One thing as I reflect, similar to you, I had loving parents. I never doubted for one second my entire childhood. I had that empowerment coming from both parents all the time. And they did a wonderful job with that. And I think it helps that I was an only child because they got to just give that love to me and just give that inspiration to me. And all their resources went into me. And I understand I'm privileged in that way. I was raised in a house where you can make your own decisions, but there are consequences, good and bad. So if you want to make this decision, you're going to live with the consequences. And I have told you what the consequences are. Now it's your decision to make. So if you do this, and I told you that you're going to get grounded if you do it, they held their end of the bargain and I was grounded or I didn't have my phone. So I appreciate that. So I think when I look at myself as a little girl, I know that she was loved and confident to do whatever she wanted to do. And I still feel that way. There's nothing that's happened in my life where my self-esteem and confidence has gone away. And I'm really thankful for that. So I see that. I think the hard part to think about for me is I have a hard time dreaming and being playful now. Mm. It's, I don't know when that switched. I would guess 15, 16, when life kind of smacks you in the face and you can drive and all of a sudden your life's in your own hands and all this stuff, it just is really heavy time. Every therapist that I've had has always commented on the fact that, and this was in the first episode of our podcast, I have a hard time having fun. I Mm. don't think I was like that when I was younger. I used to ride my bike. I inline skated. I was a dreamer and I did achieve my dream on paper. So reality hit and it changed me a little. And I think that's why I keep mentioning disappointment because I think I want that again. I want to be that little girl who has the dreams and the playfulness and I don't know how to get it back. And so just thinking about her makes me feel 
not great mm. because it's hard to think about something that you had and can't get back. And I'm not saying it's not possible because I've certainly done a lot of work. This is one way, this podcast is one way that I play. Obviously, play looks much different for an adult <laughs> than it does for a seven-year-old. I look forward to having kids and playing with them. I get to have that back. When I was looking up inner child definitions on psychology websites, one of the things that was written was, you might see this inner child as a direct representation of yourself in your early years, a patchwork collection of the developmental stages you've passed through, or a symbol of youthful dreams and playfulness. I think for me, it's all of those things. You know that you are layering upon layering of these different people that you have been. You can't deny that you were that person. I think that's the damaging part when people in therapy refuse to look at a person they used to be in the face and just deny that they were that way. Therapists will just suggest, just acknowledge that you have an inner child. Yeah. You don't have to, if it's painful, if you had a really painful childhood, you're asking somebody to look back at a time that they don't want to remember. But just acknowledging mm -hmm. that there was a really hurt little girl in the past or a little boy, you just acknowledge it and that can bring its own healing. Right. Because a lot of inner child therapy is to help with trauma, um, mm -hmm. whether it was abuse or neglect, bullying, domestic violence. I will say my, that seven-year-old is still there because I'm also a big kid and I'm very much the adventure seeker that she was. Allie, let me tell you, I had this, and I hate the color pink, but I had this hot pink 10-speed bike. Ooh, I thought I was the stuff but it was like a dirt bike style. And I used to take that thing and I used to go riding all over the streets of Detroit, taking my bike and putting it up on top of the roof and then getting on the bike and then riding down and jumping off. I, mean, just, I am still very much that person, a sense of adventure. I didn't do like professional running as a child. So I wasn't on the track team on the volleyball and basketball team, but I ran a lot when I was seven, eight. I also did gymnastics, which I don't do now. It's interesting how I do see parts of her still with me today. The ability to laugh. Do you feel like more of that personality was ignited when you had two little ones to play with? No, it was justified. I <laughs> It never went away. It was. Just, it just gave me a reason. I could say, yeah, see, now I'm a kid. Yeah, I watch cartoons because I have children. When all along I did those yeah. things anyway. <laughs> I'm Right now I'm envisioning me and you playing together at the same age. Oh my gosh. I don't think you would have liked me, Allie. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I would, because also I was very harsh. Well, okay. Probably wouldn't have been intuitive enough to know that that was something we had in common. So we should like each other. We probably just would have butted heads because here's the thing. I, I'm thinking to myself, what, what did playing look like? Playing just like <laughs> now, which I'm realizing has been ingrained in me since I was uh, a child. Playing for me had a purpose. I did not like people who were too silly. It annoyed me to no end. Kids in class who would just like say funny comments just to say them and make the teacher mad. That irritated me so much because I was like, <laughs> hey, uh, we're all here to learn. If you could not be disruptive. But when I played, there was a purpose. We were playing a game. We were playing teacher and student. We were playing mom and baby. Like I used to read to all my dolls. 
And I didn't like when people would just be silly for the sake of being silly. And my dad did that a lot because, oh my Lord, the silliest person on the planet was my dad. And I think as I got older, he irritated me so much as do dads for any adolescent girl. Dads are really annoying most of the time. (laughs) My mom isn't a silly type of person. So it was good to have that balance. Much like you, I had games that I liked to play and games that I did not. And I remember the first time there was a, a conflict per se with my dad. I went over to his house and I was in my room and, and reading a book and he wanted me to go outside and play with one of the girls down the street. And I told him, no, I, I'm fine in here reading this book. I don't want to play with her. She wants to play some makeup game and I don't do that. <laughs> and and I'm reading. You should be happy, right? And I think it was just the fact that I said no and I was so direct about it. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, that's what bothered him. And so he decided that he was going to test my will, which was not going to be good for him. Uh, And he's like, no, you're going to go out there. And I said, no, I'm not. And then this is what I said. And it amazes me that my little eight-year-old mind had this vernacular. I said, I don't want to play with her. And you should really think about forcing me to play a make-believe game with someone when I instead want to read a book. Are you really going to punish me for that? Oh, my God. And just the look in his eyes, I can see it to this day. He called my mom. Like, she is something. <laughs> yes. Those, like, tea set party girly game. That was not me. Uh-uh. I played tag. I played kickball. I wanted to go ride my bike and explore. I was a rough and tough girl. I was a tad girlier than you, I think. But I think as I got older, I got less and less. And Mm -hmm. I was always friends with more boys than girls growing up as well, because the drama, I just, I didn't have the patience for it. (laughs) I mean, it was, it's too much. You say one wrong thing to a little girl and it's over. I was not born in the U.S. And so I came to the U.S. at seven. It always trips me up when you say that. Where were you born, Allie? I was born in Germany. I just love hearing that every time you say it. I am not German. I'd like to make that very clear. And I couldn't point on a map where I was born. My mom could, and she will probably comment and say, here it is. Then lived in England for a little bit and moved to the U.S. when I was seven. I moved to a southern town with a British accent. Oh, my gosh. I would have loved you just for that I know. And here's the thing. Adults say that to me all the time. But the reality was other seven-year-olds don't like anything different. They don't think it's cool. So what did I have to do? I had to learn how to speak with an American accent. I was also listening to my parents. My mom had an American accent. She's just straight up American, no Southern accent, nothing. My dad had a British accent. So everyone thought my dad was cool, but no one thought I was cool. So I would practice in the mirror saying the Pledge of Allegiance because we don't do that in England. That was really weird that everyone just stands up in the morning, puts their hand over their heart, faces a flag, and says a bunch of words that I don't know. So wait, they don't they do not do that? They don't have a pledge? No. Really? Not where I went to school. I mean, please, somebody correct me if I'm wrong if they do that now, but there was no – I mean, there's a song that's very much like the pledge called God Save the Queen, but I don't remember doing that in school. So I got all these people with different accents, and I don't 
know if this is true or not, but the fact is, it's what I remember. And I remember being made fun of. And here's this little girl. And you know what I was also made fun of? The way I wrote. In England, you learn very traditional cursive. Well, in America at the time, in the educational system, they were phasing out cursive. And so I would get told not to write in cursive when I already knew how to write. It was very different and it wasn't very welcoming. And it was, you have an accent and where are you from? And why do you write like that? And I think that's where the hardness started coming in of, oh, not everyone is inviting. Not everyone likes you. Being different is not good. You know, when people express that, that they've experienced the same thing, no, mine wasn't very extreme, but I have a general understanding of what it's like to not be quote unquote from here. Mm. And I really try to make sure I don't make anyone feel like that. I moved to the US in 2001 at the beginning of the year, and then a terrorist attack happens. So I'm like, what is this country? Because mm. that wasn't happening in England. Now it happens in England and everywhere else in Europe all the time. I had a really unfortunate last name, which I won't say on here because I don't want people to know. <laughs> but I had a last name that had a word in it that means something different in England versus the US. <laughs> it's a derogatory term here in the US. It is not in England. And so that was super unfortunate for seven-year-old me when I didn't know that. I One thing I'm really happy that my parents didn't do is they didn't try to shelter me from any of it. You mm-hmm. know, it was, you're going to go to a public school. We're going to be here for you, but you are going to have to deal with things and come talk to us about it. But this is life. We want you to, and I'm very thankful for that because I I see and meet some kids now where it feels like their parents are doing a lot for them and it might be a disservice for them when they're older. So I appreciate that experience of being different. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about Mm self-love. And what I would tell my inner child is to allow yourself to make mistakes. Don't be so hard on yourself. The world will do that for you. But you Mm -hmm. be okay with making mistakes because that's how you learn. And as a child, I, I did not understand that. I thought mistakes were bad. You know, I, I wanted everything to be perfect. And a lot of that came from, too, because I, oh, gosh, I saw how hard my mother was working. And I just, I didn't want her to have any extra struggles because of me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to make mistakes. I would also tell her to process your fears. Don't try to suppress everything. Fear is really a layer for something else. And if you don't address what something else is, it's going to pop up. So you need to process it, whatever it is. Even if you don't feel particularly powerful or strong because you're just a little girl, know that you are going to overcome And when you do, and we've talked about this before, celebrate those victories. Celebrate that you survived. Know that you are here right now, alive and stronger than you were before because of the knowledge that you gained. We just got to be patient though. And that was another thing I wasn't. I think one thing that we do have in common is the whole not making mistakes thing. And I don't know if it's the same for you, but I would put that 
expectation on other people. So not only did I not have grace for myself, I would get so irritated at other people's mistakes. For me, it was a trust factor. I was just about to use that word. Yeah. I can't trust you if you over here making mistakes. What's wrong with you? Exactly. And I don't trust people easy and I don't think I ever have. And I think it might have been because I came to a country that said, you're guess I'll be on my own. I prefer it that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't have that, but I, I did have some some other struggles that perpetuated this sense of you just gotta do it. It's very interesting. This was a very interesting topic and I'm curious what other people experience and and what they discover about themselves. Because, you know, more than anything, just thinking about it. Yeah. And you don't need to think about it long for something to come to the surface. Mm-mm. Your brain will go there. I mean, it that younger person is in your head. Mm-hmm. So it is really interesting. And if you find that there are some things you want to unpack, I personally do recommend a therapist because there are things that they can walk you through and that you can't see, but they can see. So that's something to consider based on what comes to your mind. It's a great topic. Thank you, Kendall Jenner. Yes, Kendall, not Kylie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy.